Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders. Now the church that Jesus Christ is building on earth is represented by worshiping fellowships all over our city, state, country, and the globe. And in those fellowships are leaders who are recognized as called of God to serve the family of God. And the family is supposed to obey and submit to their leadership. But if you're one of those leaders, or if you're a member of a local church, what I want you to keep in mind first and foremost is that any leader to be obeyed must lead by being the first to obey. Any leader to be submitted to must lead by being the first in line to submit. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 through 19. The author writes, Obey them that have rule over you. Now, your translators may have obey your leaders. Actually, the root idea here in the Greek is obey the ones who guide you or obey the ones who go before you. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. The culture in which we live in feeds a spirit of independence. It's a culture that actually feeds a nature of rebellion. It's part of the American tradition. We actually began as a bunch of rebels, right? Seeking our independence. We're thankful for what God has done in our nation and what God has done for us. And yet it seems as though these elements or these values within our culture are advancing and increasing and are bursting beyond their moorings to such an extent that it's a source of discomfort to us when we read words that direct our obedience and submission to another individual. Wedding vows that were spoken by a bride for generations with hardly a thought are not spoken anymore. She'll vow to love him. She maybe will vow to honor him, but you better not ask her to obey him. That's been cut out of the vows almost entirely nowadays. And scripture reading that you used to read at the wedding ceremony are now being edited or put aside as well. And they're opting for 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the love chapter, but very rarely anymore do they read Ephesians chapter 5. And particularly, they don't read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Wives... Submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. I get it. People don't want people to feel uncomfortable at wedding ceremonies. But there it is in God's word. It's what God has written, what God has said to us. He's used words like obedience, and he's used words like submission to us. And I want to encourage you wonderfully God is always prepared and ready and always does share with us the reason for his commands. God's commands to us are given with a good and constructive purpose for our lives. And when God commands us, you always find it. He always follows those commands with some kind of reasoning that draws in our heart and our belief and our faith and our trust. And 
You can trust God, and so you can trust God with his commands, even when they rub against your cultural sensitivities, even when they go against the grain of your vaunted individualism and your spirit of independence. The command here is obey those who guide you, submit yourselves to their guidance. The word obey here in the Greek is actually an unusual word. It actually means to obey after having been convinced. It's to obey having been brought to belief. And actually, again, the word submit is kind of an interesting word here in the Greek as well. Because the meaning of the word submit here in the Greek is to yield or to give in after having resisted. Believe after having been convinced and yield after having resisted. And what you see from that is that these Jews, these Hebrews that are being written to are not much different from ourselves. They have an extinctual resistance towards obeying and following or submitting to guidance. And so they, like us, need to be convinced. They need to be coached into their obedience by being brought into faith and brought into belief. The good news is, is that's the kind of obedience that God always brings us to. That's the kind of submission or guidance that God always calls us into. God coaxes us into obedience, leading us away from our resistance into belief. And through that belief, he then draws us into obedience. And so with the Spirit's help, I'd like to coax you this morning and ask that the Spirit would guide us and lead us and move us to this place where we're ready to obey and we're ready to submit to his guidance, and I, I would note here, by the way, that the prominent idea in this passage really is, although the commandment is given to the individuals, the idea here is, and the focus here, is on the one who guides them. And I think we must see here an official office presenting itself in the early church. And as such, I think it's best for us to understand these leaders as pastors. Before we go any further, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, be gracious to us now. Come to us, make your arguments to our hearts, appeal to us through the grace that we received in the gospel of Jesus Christ, appeal to us by your love and your good purposes for us. Gently break away those hard, fast, rigid lines that get set up on our will. But God, we pray you'd do it. You'd break us away from those things. Bring us under the molding touch of the master's hand. Be gentle where we need gentleness, but, oh God, be firm where we need firmness. Shape and mold our hearts so that they might be pliable before you and remain pliable, that we may yield to you and trustingly, obediently, believingly submit to you, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what we see in this passage is that God has spiritual guides, that God has moral guides that he's given to his church. And I'm just going to make a series of observations about these guides, these leaders, these who are called the ones who rule over them. And the first thing I want you to see here, the first thing I want you to note, and we're speaking to pastors now, the first thing I want you to note is that a pastor has no moral authority unless he is under the orders of Jesus Christ. The pastor has no authority, moral or spiritual authority, unless he's under the orders of Jesus Christ. He holds his position only as one who is under God's direction and God's order. The pastor, then, is the first one who is called to obey. He's the first one who's called to submit. 
And as he obeys and as he submits, then and only then he is granted by God authority to lead and guide others. Their leadership, his leadership, holds no spiritual power or momentum, no moral power or momentum over anyone else if it is not first demonstrated in their own life by their utter submission and surrender and obedience to Christ. Their authority comes from being under authority. Actually, in Matthew chapter 8, you have the account of a Roman centurion who encounters the Lord Jesus in Capernaum and seeks the Lord Jesus to come or to heal his sick servant who has a palsy or a weakness. And the Lord Jesus responds to him and says, I'll come to him, I'll go with you basically, I'll come and I'll heal him. And the centurion says, no Lord, listen, I am not worthy for you to even come under my roof. You just give the command and he'll be healed. And then the centurion explains that he understands the nature of authority. He understands the nature of commands. He, after all, is a person who has men under him. He is, after all, an individual who exercises authority himself. He says, I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I say, do this. And he does it. Basically, Lord, you're the commander. Command this healing. That's what he's saying. Jesus saw tremendous faith in what the centurion said. Actually, I didn't quite quote correctly what the centurion said. He said something a little bit different from that. He did say that, but he said something a little more that will help you understand the nature of authority. The nature of the authority recognized himself and the nature of the authority recognized in Christ. He said, for I too am a man under authority. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I too am a man under authority. Have you ever thought of this? Our Savior, Jesus Christ, had great authority to command demons, to command the sick to be made well, to command nature, to command men. You've heard others say, he said, do this and do that, but I say to you, and he claimed the authority upon himself. But he exercised that authority because he had placed himself under the Father's command. Just a few weeks ago, we considered Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, and we considered the word of the Son that he spoke to the Father just before he came into the world, and among the things that he said, he declared to the Father in Hebrews 10, verse 7, I have come to do your will, O God. I've come under your authority. In John chapter 4, verse 34, the Lord Jesus says that my meat, my food, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Listen to what he says in John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus says this, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, he has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Everything I do is under the authority of the Father. Paul recognized this. Paul, in a sense, establishes somewhat in society a chain of command. You can argue with it, but Paul gives it to us. He says that the husband is the head of the wife, and that Christ is the head of the husband, and that God is the head of Christ. Christ under authority, he's saying. Our Lord Jesus commands us out of the authority that he is under from his Father. His authority, his command as a Messiah is that he stands under the authority of the Father. And listen, just so you know, here's the application for yourself. What's true for Christ is true for us. We have no authority ourselves to direct anyone, but only that we live under and in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul understood this. The idea that any spiritual authority that he exercised and that he carried out was simply because he sat under and rested under the authority of Jesus Christ. You read Paul's letters and you'll find out, make no mistake as you read them, there's a lot of commanding in them. There's a lot of exhorting and a lot of correcting and a lot of directing and Paul exerts his authority as he speaks and he says on different occasions, don't make me come to you. He has authority. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul basically explains how far his authority goes over others. It goes only so far as his own submission to Jesus Christ. And so he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. The NIV puts it this way. Follow my example as or up to the point at which I follow the example of Christ. That's the limit. That's the boundary line of Paul's authority. Only so far as he's led by the Lord Jesus. And this is the nature of pastoral authority as well. He must be a man who is completely and utterly surrendered and under Christ's command. He's not self-assigned. He's not self-designated. He is called and he is commanded of God to his position and he only is an authority when he's living in submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. I am glad you've listened in today to the Bread of Life Radio. Bread of Life Radio is a represented ministry of the International Mission of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Your financial gifts make possible this ministry and our work to make disciples of Christ among the nations. And we thank you for your participation in that, both in your giving and in your prayers. Until the next time, may God bless you.